0: everybody. This is David Paul, the host of the Capital Stack Podcast, where I interview founders, operators, and investors about all things value creation. Today, I am speaking with Sebastian Gabor of Digital, which is a practice management system for veterinarians. So, in other words, a vertical SaaS platform um, serving a sector that is near and dear to my heart. I've had a lot of great successes within that. Yeah. So now I'm talking to Sebastian, who just raised a very nice Series A round, and I uh, want to hear more about Sebastian and what he's up to. So, Sebastian, how are you doing? Hey, David.
1: Thank you for the invite. Great to be here. Uh, currently currently in Barcelona. Just flew out of San Francisco a few a couple of days ago.
0: Okay. And then where, where's that accent from?
1: Romania. That's where I'm originally from.
0: Okay. And then you move, and the company is based in Austin?
1: Company is based in well Delaware, and we have a global team. So we have uh, team members across
0: um, a
1: lot of different places. Some are in uh, Florida, uh, Atlanta, Toronto, New York, Vancouver, and then in Europe and London and Romania.
0: Nice. And you just raised a Series A round. We just raised
1: Series A in Q one of this year from Atomico, and with follow-ons from all the existing investors. That's fantastic,
0: so tell me a little bit, Sebastian, about yourself and how you got into um software and and deciding to kind of go into the the practice management side and veterinary medicine
1: Got it so this was into software was two thousand eleven after business school. Um, I just with a couple of friends, we wanted to build a project at that time there was the trend with social media networks. if you remember it was social networks everywhere. And we started, working, uh, we started working on that. And afterwards, we had more clients coming in that wanted to build different uh, tools. So then it ended up being a huge development agency with 100-plus people uh, working with Disney, Hasbro, and a lot of other companies. But in that in that journey, we learned a lot. However, and we learned that you can't do multiple things at the same time. And once you find something that you really care about, you need to double down. Uh, and by 2017, I excluded from that company. And uh, something that I achieved. Actually- build more meaning, that I get more, that I provide more impact to the world and I get more meaning. And in 2017, with Rooksantra, we adopt, adopted a puppy. Uh, I don't remember, you, you also had a lot of pets, right? If I remember correctly. Uh,
0: yeah, I had some. They died. I started having kids, which in hindsight was a bad idea. I should have had more puppies.
1: <laughs> uh, good one. Um, so 2017, I adopted a puppy, went to the fest. Uh, and you know when you have a puppy, you need to do the vaccination plan? And unfortunately, as uh, we got the note of when we got the plan, we left it on a shelf. Uh, No one announced us uh, for the next visit, so we ended up missing it, and we had to redo the entire plan. And that was super painful, not only for the the health part, also time-wise. So we were just asking, like, why isn't the system better? Why can't you offer a better experience? And what we realized by talking with the hospital was that, unfortunately, we don't have the team members. They don't have the tools to offer a better experience for the breadpans. Mm -hmm. And that's how we started building a system that can provide them the tools they need to focus on doing what they love while their clients can get the experience that a millennial would need. That's fantastic.
0: So one thing that I really want to dive deep on today is the concept of making a platform and replacing an existing incumbent platform which is extremely difficult to do. And it's kind of like one of like the DWP capitals, like grand, you know, um, rules is like, don't try to push a platform against an incumbent platform. Um, And for obvious reasons, it's just, it's, it's very, the switching cost is very, very painful. These platforms are very sticky and they make it difficult. And you going to have to win on price, right, in order to kind of motivate that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not sure if that's Digital's story, but, you know, I'd love to kind of hear um, how you thought about the incumbent players. Now, in the veterinary space, there's a couple of, like, legacy software companies. Some of them are Holdco's, um, you know, Shine, where companies go to die. Um, you, know, you know, Patterson, you know, Idex, they all kind of have their own version of, you know, on you know, on-prem that looks like cloud-like solutions. So how did you think about coming up and putting a platform and convincing veterinarians to take a shine?
1: Yeah, was definitely wasn't easy, but um, I'll tell you how we see the market. In 2020, when we started focusing on the U.S., when, when we started working with the first clients there, we realized that 80% of the market was on-premise systems. So yeah. 80% of all the hospitals in the U.S. were working with AbiMark, Mark, Kavich, uh, Cornerstone, and all the, all the old systems. And 20% were already looking at cloud solutions. So the trend was already in the market that people wanted to go off on-premise and go into cloud. And there were for various reasons. One, the servers were crashing. Uh, the clients were demanding a better experience and they weren't able to offer it. They started working with too many add-ons. So they had one system that had five different add-ons just to have online employment system and a couple of other tools. And it became really bloated. So that was the moment when we came with the value proposition of an all-in-one tool, a one partner that can get you end-to-end where you need to be. Uh and that was super attractive for vets. And at the beginning it was really really difficult because again we were a couple of team members, they haven't heard of us. There was a big jump like leap of faith of oh, who's who di- who's digital and what are they trying to do. Uh and it took a while to build that trust, but once we we got one vet they were super happy. They started referring us and then we started having word of mouth. And now, uh, in just a couple of years, we worked with over 800 hospitals. Um, we also started working with the bigger vet groups. So the, uh, the multi-location GP type of, um, type of clinics. And it's, it was mostly the community that helped us, uh, True. Yeah,
0: so you That's, just had to do it just like everybody else. You had to cross the chasm. You had to go to early adopters, probably onesie Tuesdays, you know, kind of, you exactly. know, um, you know, companies that probably had more of a, an inclination to move to cloud, and you kind of proved out your value. And as mm-hmm. you made jumps, you continued to build on the platform because I could imagine if you, I mean, being a startup. You know, you have to focus on, if you want to be all in one, that means you're probably doing everything, you know, at, you know, 50% of what some of the deeper platforms are doing just based on company size. Like, you know, you can't out engineer, you know, at that time, right? So how did you come across and think like, you know, yeah, you know, you are... You know you're getting all the we're gonna give you all the things light versions, but over time, like you know this is our grand vision. I mean, was there kind of like those kinds of conversations that you had to talk about? Did you have to sell futures and roadmap and come along with us on the journey in order for them to kind absolutely. of buy into it? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely like
1: for like building a pims, I think is the most excruciating task because it's never enough. Like with every clinic that we talk, they'll always want, you know, more features. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's reality. But the PIMS needs to do everything at the end. of the day, And we've always been like, um, having this huge roadmap that we, we tried building. I think the key thing, and this is where our team did a really good job. And I'm, I'm really like proud to, to work with such colleagues is that they, they were able to understand what are the key problems that the clinics were having and focus on those. Because in general, if you look at most users, they will want the, everything in the world, but they will really need one or two things to get you get them really, really well. And if you get those, they're going to accept some things mediocre and some other things not being there at the moment. So that was one of the balancing True. act that we had to do is always identifying what are the really, really important things. And there's one advantage of being an all-in-one tool because there's things that currently you can't get out of uh, integrated partners. So for example, when you go you go to a clinic that uses digital um, the clinic doesn't need to manually export anything to manually send you the medical records or send you the rec- recommendations all of that happens as you close the medical record so you end the visit mm-hmm. and then everything is exported and personalized for the pet parent directly in the app or via email or depending mm-hmm. on what they use and all of that is frictionless so those are things that we were able to do that really came as a plus you know on the all in one aspect yeah, I mean, and they were able to wait
0: yeah, that's on-prem plus 10x value, right, which they couldn't have done based mm-hmm. on the original architecture of not being on cloud. Yeah. So that so was, what did that you was learn- the balancing Yeah, what did you learn, like, from an MVP perspective? Like, what, did, what were table stakes that you needed to approach the market? What did you learn, like, you know, the like customers said they needed, but they didn't need, you know, and, and how did you navigate that prioritization process? Because you have to come with, you know, I'm assuming like scheduling and, you know, there's a couple key, everything. you know, inventory, and
1: reporting, finance, consent <laughs> forms, estimates, yeah. everything. Um, so I think l- big, big uh, learnings was that first you have four different stakeholders in your standard animal hospital. Mm-hmm. And so basically you have the vet owner, the practice manager, the vet tech and the CSR. And they all need different mm-hmm. things. And they all have worth the decision making power, so you need to balance that and understand who's the more important stakeholder in the specific practice uh, and uh, who do you need to make sure that they get what they need at the beginning so that was that was one. Second is that we always got requests for additional reports or additional reminders or additional notifications. But at the end of the day, what we saw is that they were used for probably one week. And then people weren't actually having the workflows because they were busy doing the thing they love, taking care of patients. So what was really, really important was to make sure that the day-to-day workflow works really well from booking an appointment, uh, doing the medical notes with templates and saving that time and getting the patient out there uh, out of the practice with all the information that they needed. If you do that really well, then you can start building on top the rest. Mm -hmm. um that was that was basically the the biggest the biggest learning that took a while because initially when we started working with clients they were all we can't work with you unless you have this feature so we had to build that feature they might have used Mm -hmm. it or not but you needed to have it in the moment of signing the contract
0: right so yeah there is uh, a perceived need versus an actual need right and you know it's it's not Mm -hmm. um it's not uh, reasonable, right? Because it's not backed by data. Because buyers don't usually buy things on data; they buy things on emotion, right? Absolutely.
1: Like, uh, one, one thing I can tell you? you with, uh, with yeah, with, with the app for the pet parents, what we realized is that initially uh, people were so pet parents were downloading the app um, and they were using it once per year for the uh, for the annual exam and no. Then once we added the online booking system, they started also using it to book appointments. So it was a couple of more times per year. Then we started adding a learning center. So they were using it for at least one or two weeks after the visit. And then mm-hmm. after we added chat, we started having a uh, much higher uptake because then you started enabling communication with the practice. Mm-hmm. But it was again, a gradual growth towards, uh, towards understanding, you know, what's valuable for the long, so what's a sticky feature versus what's an engagement feature. Yeah,
0: what's I'm a sure. what's a what's a what's a capability, right? You know, what's a capability, you know, capabilities generally not everyone adopts them. If they adopt them, they just kind of they lose their novelty over time. Correct. Um awesome. so how do you think about um how do you think about pricing? Pricing. Hmm. Um,
1: our approach was to, to simplify it and because that's our, our, again, they haven't spent years and years of business schools or understanding how to manage a practice. They, they came into it to help patients. So if you go at them with a really complicated price structure, they won't really understand it. So we tried to simplify it and to have a price per vet that takes into account the volume, right? So the more, the larger the practices, the more effort on our side to support it. Um, so we're trying to reflect for, for that, but as an operate, like an operating system, you do have additional revenue streams, right. Uh, there's partners that you can integrate. There's uh payment processing buy now, pay later. There are a lot of financial products that you can also operate into that. Um, we're still, we're still working towards enabling more, but again, we have a solid, solid foundation where, where we are at the moment.
0: Okay. And so where do you see the, uh, the future as I'm sure there's plenty of, of areas to grab, you know, incumbent players, right? Mm-hmm. The industry got rapidly consolidated. So how do you think about how do you think about that? Like, I feel like, you know, these aggregators, these private equity aggregators that bought a ton of veterinary practices that aren't, you know, integrated. That could probably be a huge opportunity for you to get them on kind of one enterprise system.
1: Exactly. So at the moment, if if the way again we look at the market is that seventy five percent is independent uh, GPS and twenty five percent is the aggregators, the consolidated market, and uh, we already work with uh, with almost twenty out of the we we say that there are around two hundred uh, GPS. Again, plus minus, we don't have the, the hard, hard numbers. But our focus right now is to be able to work with uh, with those multi with aggregators because what's happening in the market is that they ended up buying a lot of clinics. So let's say mm-hmm. you, you're a B, you now have 100 uh, clinics under your management and you realize they, they're they all on different terms. So at the end of the month, when you want to get reports, you're stuck because you need an entire crew of people just to grab reports, aggregate them, consolidate them and free to get insights. <laughs> Uh, forget about getting them on a weekly basis. You need every time, you know, on a monthly basis, have that. And there are a couple of fees that did a really good job having pipelines, but the majority of them are really struggling and wanting to build really big teams in order to just support uh, that uh, that data reporting part. And this doesn't take into account standardizing operations. So when they want to change prices for clinics or they want to support a clinic and setting a different SOP or protocols, they need to manually go into each system and do it and that's just a nightmare when you want to go and then to be able to increase efficiencies so that's why at do, the moment we're one of the only solutions for only one thing.
0: do you feel like um most i mean how do you how would you say like from an aggregator perspective and you could include the corporates mm-hmm. right not just the pe but yep. the corporates the NVAs, the mars you know the bainfields yeah. what would you say the spread is of those that are trying to like vertically integrate them into like one cohesive unit with one brand one pricing schematic versus kind of just saying like listen we bought all these assets right they're smbs at best right it's not worth the time to try to integrate them let's just kind of have a you know all the companies together and you know try to streamline the back end as much as we can but kind of create a hold code and then sell that to the next group where do you see that market so I have I still have
1: a narrow view on on that market but from what I've seen so far is that the constraint is buying clinics well cu- currently after like with the whole economic situation it's more of uh having money to uh, to buy more clinics and that's why the market is still at a halt at the moment but when money is and and so when there, there's capital in the system the challenge is finding clinics that want to sell and for you to convince them to to sell, you need to give them the promises of you're not going to influence their workflow. You're going to give them freedom. You're going to do all <laughs> which about. is all
0: bullshit, right? <laughs> you know? It's they're not to you. Yeah, it's not. They're not going to influence your workflow for the year that you work there. And then they're going to.
1: Uh, so that's why there, I've seen a couple of corporates that are doing a really good job of supporting the clinic centrally. Uh, there's still a minimum workflow and standardization, but yes, most of them at some point, they will need to introduce better processes or standardized mm-hmm. process across, but probably that's more of a maturity for that chain. When you're you're in buying mode, you're not going to focus on that. When you're in uh, increasing performance mode, then that's more going to be the moment when you're going to focus more on standardizing processes.
0: Do you feel like um, the vets that are holding out are just kind of like, well, you know, two years ago, my buddy just sold his practice for 15 to 20 times EBITDA. You know, I'm, why why can't I get that price? Are you kind of seeing that getting played out in the market? Definitely. Is there a, repri- is there, is there a repricing happening?
1: Uh yes, I mean there's two sides of this. One is the pressure that comes now on on the groups that acquire that high multiples to increase efficiency to justify those multiples, and then on the other side, exactly what you mentioned with clinics that no longer want to sell because just one year ago, half a year ago, like yeah they their friends sold at crazy um crazy multiples uh probably this will change so again, give it one more year and we'll see the market starting again go.
0: Yeah. Do you think um do you think that the demand for pet parents and like the this move towards animals is going to um kind of override like I always think about these businesses that get, you know, super levered up, right? And they buy things in inorganically. Mm-hmm. They're generally are subjected to a lot of covenants, right? And labor costs are going up, right? So the margins are getting thinner. Um, There's only so much capacity you can have in a clinic, right? There's not, you know, you're capped by location. It's a retail business. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: so, is there, like, is the demand for pets, is that going to overshadow some of the natural headwinds of um, margin thinning with labors and, um, you know, potential covenants, right? Because none of these private equity people want to put more equity into these businesses. So it's got to give somewhere, or is the tailwind still so strong that the demand isn't letting up?
1: So there's two things. One is um, the tailwind is definitely strong, and the fact that there's still a shortage of pets, so you don't have you, you basically have over demand for what how much supply mm-hmm. you have in the market, and this will continue for for the following years. Um, pet here is still estimated to grow to 300 billion if you look at all the reports, so 200, uh, 230, how much it is now to 300 billion by 2030. And this will also help uh, what I'm seeing that even now in a time when the economic situation is not great, uh, pet parents are still spending um, and they're still mm-hmm. doing, maybe, maybe they're cutting down on some premium uh, accessories or some items, but they're still doing the the medical preventive care stuff. Uh, and I think the, the more important part is that what we're not seeing at the moment is that as pet care evolves, there's more new, ser- there's new services that are coming up on preventive care, telemedicine, remote care at home, uh empowering the pet parents to do more, now with AI services that you can bundle. So all of those will also enable new revenue streams for the vets. Um and that's still early days, but we're seeing now, um, especially in, in the vet groups that are thinking more about this and the early adopters and the GPs, on how they can better support the pet parents at home and how can that transform into a wellness plan or a subscription model for uh, for the hospital.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. Wellness subscription, I don't think anyone's done that really well, right, in the business. Still um, trying. Yeah, still trying. Yeah. Um pet insurance, still low adoption rate, kind of in the three percent
1: in, in that range. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's unbelievable. So And it's insane uh, it
1: compared it, to Europe. Like if you know in, in Stockholm, in Stockholm, in Sweden, it's ninety percent adoption for dogs, seventy percent for cats. In the UK is 70% for dogs, 50% for, for cats that's an insurance adoption compared to the 3% that we have in the U S
0: is just because there's no buying power from the insurance to actually make margin because there's just so much demand.
1: It's a huge combination of factors. First, I think we need to get the, we need to simplify the process. That's one of mm-hmm. the things that needs to happen in the U S because you still need to file claims manually. And it's a, you don't understand what's actually deductible. So it's, it's a huge process of like trying to navigate that, uh, um, uh, the situation. And then also it's probably culture in terms of I've seen pet parents that once they have a big bill to pay, they see the value and next time they're going to have the insurance. Um, But until you get to that situation, you'll probably ignore it unless there's more education that's happening. And unfortunately, again, on the other side, vets and the staff from the hospitals, they don't have time to talk about the importance of insurance and how to be financially uh, solvent for, for your pet. So, those are discussions that nobody has with the pet brand. So, of course, we can't expect them to overnight. Yeah, I know that, yeah they're not incentivized.
0: They don't care about money. They don't want to sell anyway, right? You know what I mean? You're you're reluctant yeah. to get them to charge what they should be charging because they're like, they're clipping the nails while they're talking about charging. So, God forbid, yeah. you try to, get them to, to upsell anything else, right? It's probably very difficult. Uh, where do you and think? Yeah, the they should see the discounts
1: yeah. that clinics are, yeah.
0: Oh, dude, it's unreal. Just because they ask, you know what I mean? They're just, you know. The one thing I think it's affable about vets is that at least vets know they're not good they're not good business people. Like doctors think they're good business people, but they're not good business people. <laughs> All right? Vets have a humility about them, which I think is very affable. But um mm-hmm. tell me um if I was to give you ten million dollars, Sebastian, to invest somewhere within vet in like the software kind of space, like what's the emerging area that you think has a lot of legs? Hmm. That's an awesome
1: question. Um, so my my two cents at the moment uh, is by far what you can do with AI in the space. So that's that's where we also invest as a company now. Uh, time. And we have a design partner group with which we've developed uh, an assist an AI assistant called Tails that works on both uh, pre-screening um, and triaging for pet parents, but also internally in the hospitals for medical support and automation. And I've seen that training uh, those LLMs in a way that can, they can actually provide support for both stakeholders is insanely valuable. And I think the industry will go that way in the upcoming years. And just like if you see the rate of innovation, it's on one side, scary, but on the other side, super exciting. And especially in an industry that moves slow, this is like really pushing it uh, to the next level.
0: So are we talking like diagnostics?
1: Uh, one aspect is diagnostics. First is yeah, more need, triaging. You sp- need, yeah.
0: yeah, you don't need FDA, right, with, with pets. So you can probably get two answers a lot quicker.
1: Correct. Uh, but there's also just to, to be careful about this one. It's not about giving a medical diagnostic because that part only the vet will be able to do. But it's able to support the vets into getting to the diagnostic and reconfirming it at least. Or helping when, you, when you're when you a vet and you see 50 patients a day, by the end of the day, you're going to be a bit tired. And you need some help and just someone mm-hmm. double, uh, you know, helping you with the decision-making process. So that's that's one. And if there would be another category, I would say um, wearable. Oh,
0: interesting. Because if we look- Okay.
1: If, if we look at the future again, uh, the future where you want more data to be able to take more data driven decisions and to support pets, uh, at home, that's going to be a good interest, uh, good component of it. And we see already with the app behaviors where pet parents go at home and they log weight, they log information that afterwards the pet can check in their, uh, in their uh, annual visit.
0: Cool. Um, Sebastian, I want to give you a couple of cool questions before we end today. What is the best piece of business advice you've ever got?
1: So many, um, I would, I would start with focus. And so that's, that's the one that I took to heart. Instead of doing 20 things, focus on doing one thing really well, and then move to the next. Super important.
0: Awesome. And what's the best uh, book you've ever read?
1: Never split the difference. Or Atomic Habits. Darn. Okay, that's also a tough, a tough one.
0: <laughs> that is a good one. Both of those are really, really good. Um, cool. And where do you see digital going in the next couple years?
1: So we have a clear shot of becoming of one of the leading uh, practice management system in the space and becoming the go-to OS for for pet care. Uh, there's a lot of execution that needs to happen, but I feel that we're at the right time, at the right place. So hopefully when we talk again in the in the next years, we're going to see it clear Trans to 25% plus. Market awesome.
0: Sebastian, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Everybody, thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend and subscribe. We drop an episode every Tuesday. And I will see you guys next week. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you for tuning in to the Capital Stack Podcast. Make sure to share this with someone you know that can benefit from this content. Remember to support this show by rating, reviewing, and subscribing.